hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. David was running from Saul, right? And we talked about this last week. Running from Saul, scared to death. Didn't want to touch the anointing of God because he felt that Saul was anointed of God. He was the king. David didn't want to touch him. He says, why is he trying to kill me? So he goes to David and to Saul's son, Jonathan. They make a, a deal, a pact, covenant. In fact, David loved Jonathan so much as much as himself, and Jonathan loved David so much as himself that they made a covenant all the way to death. That's a relationship. That's when you don't have to worry about it. I got your back, you got mine. I used to tell people, I don't mind taking a bullet for you, I just don't want to take it from you. Right? All right? So you go tight. Finally, David runs and hides, and he finds himself in this cave we talked about last week, and he ended up with 600 busted, beat up, kind of rejected guys that become his sheep. He was so used to having sheep out in the back of the desert when he was doing it for his dad. Now he finds himself in this cave, comes to himself, and he, he looks around. He's got 600 guys. Saul's still trying to kill him. And David's got to now navigate 600 men that truly are some, has some issues. Okay? David's got some issues of himself. He's, got, he's married. He's got a couple wives now. Uh, got some kids. Got some people. And now he's not just responsible, or not responsible just for himself, he's responsible for all those people that have been kind of handed to him. So David takes this affection up with these 600 busted guys, and even though they weren't trained and, and highly uh, you know, effective, for it, but they were, it says, the Bible says they were in debt, and they had issues. Okay, one translation said, lots of issues. And uh, I don't know about you all, but that's typically how the Lord kind of works, is I don't know anybody that doesn't have an issue that he uses Everybody that I know has issues and he uses them, okay? So David gets in this cave, comes out with these 600 men, and all of a sudden he starts on the next journey of his life, in this next transition. He's already anointed to be king, but he's not got the, the crown. He's already had the memory of Samuel placing the oil on his head, dropping down to his feet, but he's still not got the throne. He's on the road of running Constantly worried about where he is. Saul's trying to kill him. Saul's trying to kill him. Saul's trying to kill him. He works through relationship with Jonathan and says, Jonathan, I don't know what I've done to your dad, but I can't understand why he's trying to kill me. Jonathan goes back to his dad and says, he's not done anything wrong. Saul says, you're right. But every time Saul's eye would get focused on David, it was because David was saying, people were screaming, Saul killed 1,000, but David killed 10,000. David began to get promoted in the midst of his, his travels and runs, right in the middle, but it didn't feel like it. Have you ever been all in, in the middle of your journey, in the middle of your situation, maybe you are there now in your circumstance, and there are signs of good things that are happening, but the circumstance is so overwhelming that you're not where you're going to be, so it's hard to enjoy the little milestones along the way, the small victories. I mean, typically David should be able to come out and he says, hey, Saul killed 1,000, David killed 10,000. David ought to have been celebrated, but David couldn't celebrate because he had to reduce himself down. And if you're in an environment, if you're in a relationship or you're in a work employment where you have to reduce yourself down to make other people feel better about themselves, you might want to consider moving on. 
David couldn't stay in Saul's house. The only way David would have ever been able to stay in Saul's house is he would have really stripped himself of his anointing, his grace, his boldness, his courage, his strength, reduce himself down and become a peasant in the house. But when you begin to have to reduce yourself down so everybody around you feels better, you just hit a ceiling on your head. It's time to think about what your next venture is. And they'll, the more they see something in you and you don't fit the mold of what they want you to fit in, you have one of two choices. You can conform or comply or you can break out of the mold. Well, there we go. That's the truth. Religion will form you. Kingdom transforms you. Okay? So David comes out of the, the cave. He's got these 600 guys. He's going to battle with the Philistines again. David's entire journey was a battle, a war. David's in the middle of battling. These. Now he's got all these women. He's got all these people. Now they've got their families. He's got all this stuff. And he's got nowhere to really go. So he kind of sits back and you know, says, where do we land? Lands in a city called Ziklag. And when David landed in a, in a city called Ziklag, they were kind of okay to have him there. Everybody was okay for him to be there. So he sets up shop, him and his family, his 600 guys, his army, if you want to call them that, and, his, and their families. And now they're getting summons to come out and fight another battle with the Philistines. And David and the Philistines just go round and round. David takes his men, he's 600 of them. They go out and they get into this really big battle. David crushes the Philistines with his 600 men, crushes them. Leaves Ziglag, goes out into the area that the Philistines are, into the battleground, and he fights and he fights and he fights. Now, David only spent about a year and a half in Ziglag. But when David first got to Ziglag, he goes out and makes this big old fight with the Philistines. So while David and the 600 men were on the battlefield, whipping the Philistines, battling, 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 what David didn't know, but the Malachites came in to David's home, his camp in Ziklag, and took all of the families, all the women, all the kids, all the stuff, and they just spoiled David's entire, and they burned the city, they burned David's camp, they burned, David had no idea, he's out here fighting the Philistines with these 600 guys, they win, they win the battle. It looks like they got the victory. They're beat up, they're weary, they're tired. They've been fighting only to come home when home should have been a place of refuge. When they could have home and smelled some things cooking, get their clothes clean again, rest and enjoy life where just a place of solitude and peace where you could just sit back, but there was no place to go back to. Have you ever been in a place while you're winning one battle and you finally get through that thing and you turn around and you run right, right face to another one. It just seems like, my God, if it's not him, it's them. If it's not her, it's those. You pay that thing and here comes another thing. You, they find out that that's not going to kill you. But you still have to live with this because it pops up. Thank God you don't have cancer, you find out but you come home to want to celebrate and home is just not as good as it needs to be. One battle after another. Ziklag is a battle after a battle after a battle. 
It's just multiple things. And here's the thing. Ziglag Amalekites waited until David got out there with the Philistines. They don't have the courage to come face to face with you. They won't come out and battle with you in your strength. They'll come back here and battle in your weakness. They always point up where you've been. Your marriage is moving forward. You hope it's getting better. And all of a sudden, somebody comes blindside and says, weren't you the guy that was married to so-and-so? Did you have that business that went, used to be over on such and such street that, you, you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, whatever happened over there? And you're just going, just, the air starts coming outside of you. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, are you the mother of so-and-so? Yeah, well, bless their heart. I hope they're doing okay now. You know what I'm talking about? That's a clack. You're out here fighting every day just to get ahead and move forward, and you come back and only find your wings clipped out from behind you. Oh, my God, what do I do? It's just wearing. It's tiring. It's, oh, you're frustrated. You're aggravated because you know deep in your heart, and occasionally you'll get a second wind and come back out here and say, oh, I'm ready to go again. Well, here's what happened. David comes back. He comes back where he should have been celebrating, where he should have been able to rest, when he should have been able to sit down and, and say, God, thank God that one's over. And he brought back all the spoils. He brought back all the stuff. And here comes him and his 600 men after being out on the battlefield, weary and tired and beat up. And he comes back to the house and there's no house. It's just ashes of things that are burned. There's no kids crying. There's no wives cooking. Nothing's happening. So they look around only to discover that the Amalekites came while they were out doing good, came out and trying to take their stuff. Here's what happened to David. David's tired. His men are fighting and they're tired of fighting. They're tired. David looks at the men and says, guys, so the men look at David and say, this is what we get. While you, we're out here with you, nobody's taking care of the home. So they start turning on David. They even got together and said, we'll stone him. Did they forget they were the busted group of people in the cave that David decided to lead? How quickly had they forgotten where they come from? They get a little confidence out here and get a little win. They get a win, they come back, and now they're tired. David now not only has beat the Philistines, and he's tired and weary, not only now has he lost the Amalekites of taking his family, so he's having to deal with this inner conflict of a loss and what do I do? And now he's got his own people turning on him going, Where do you, what have you done to us? David's alone. Have you ever felt alone? I'm talking about when he don't understand you, she don't understand you, they don't understand you. No matter what you say, you can't find the vocabulary, even the words to say what you're feeling. And they're expecting answers and talk and let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. And you're going, I don't know what I can say. I have nothing else to say. I can't say it anymore. I don't know what to say. I've living in this, this isolation. And then you, you, you find yourself going, I'm just better off not saying anything. The best thing I can do is just be quiet. Because every time I say something, it just gets me in more trouble. So the guys were ready to stone him. 
They're heartbroken. Their families are gone. Nobody knew where they, what had happened, if they were alive or, or, or where they were. All they knew was this place was burning on fire. David isolates himself away because these guys are turning on him. David goes and he gets down to the place where he can't go anymore. He's down to his bottom. And I hear talk, people talk about a bottom. But he was down to his bottom. And he gets down to the bottom of his place. And the Bible says that David looked around. And he thought, my God, how did I get here? And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes, ain't nobody gonna help you. Sometimes nobody's prayer or encouraging word can help you. We appreciate it, but sometimes it all comes right to here. You gotta get to that place where you say, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna stay here, I'm gonna feel sorry for myself, I'm, gonna, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just gonna put my face in the grave, I'm gonna go deep, 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 deep down in depression. And you gotta just be able to say, okay, where have I come from? I remember Samuel pouring that anointing oil on my head. I'm anointed king, but I'm down in the, in the ground. The Bible says that there was, the, the, the faces were full of earth, dirt. They were dirty, the guys were. David was at the place where he couldn't go anymore. He didn't even have the strength to go. Everything around him was falling apart and he finally got just enough strength to say, I gotta encourage myself in the Lord. There's sometimes you just gotta turn on the music. Sometimes you gotta turn off the music. Sometimes you just gotta get in the presence of the Lord and you gotta sit there and talk to him in a raw fashion. I'm talking raw. I'm not talking about just quoting him a bunch of scriptures that he wrote. I'm talking about telling him how you feel. Sometimes you got to vomit it out and let him pump your stomach to get that junk out so he can get some good stuff in. You got to say it. You got to get it all here. And then when you begin to empty yourself, you can't help to think, look what the Lord has done. I wouldn't have had those women and those kids if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't have been called. I'd still be back on the backside of the desert feeding those sheep if it hadn't been for him. You'd, the job that you prayed yourself into that now is causing all your, product, your problems was the thing you prayed about when you were at your last place. That house payment that you're trying to figure out how to make, you prayed yourself into that house. Now they raise the taxes and the insurance and here you are trying to figure out how to get out. You know he looked better on the outside than he did on the inside because the grass was greener on the other side until you got on the other side and now you're looking back going, dear God, it wasn't that green over there as it is here. Now I just don't see any green. Mm -hmm. You gotta encourage yourself in the Lord. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You can stay discouraged, but when you begin to say, uh-uh, I'm not laying here anymore. I've laid here long enough. How much longer are you gonna take? I had a situation just the last few months here, 
not to the church, but me, I was dealing with. I didn't want to be misunderstood. So I, got, I just kind of kept giving all I could give. And every time they would, in this business transaction, every time they would ask for something, I would bend and bend and bend. Finally, one day, I got tired of bending. I got tired of being the doormat. And I made up my mind, I'm not going to be a doormat anymore. And it got worse before it got better. And I said, no, I'm not giving in anymore. You're taken and taken and taken. You're not taken any longer. And I didn't know what was going to do and how it was going to turn out. But I made up my mind. I encouraged myself in the Lord. I was not going to be a doormat anymore. I'm not, I'm not laying down any longer. You're not walking over me and then get mad at me because you're walking over me and I'm in your way. I'm going to get up and if you're going to walk over me, you're going to trip over me. I ain't going to lay there and let you just be walking. That ain't happening anymore. That's not the Lord's way. So I stand up and I begin to say, this is how it's going to be. They weren't ready for that. And I'm telling you, this past week, if I would have stayed a doormat, it would have gotten a lot worse. But this past week, Friday, we won that thing and didn't give up another inch of what I, when, from the day I said, when I give in a, I'm not going to be another doormat. I had encouraged myself in the Lord. They couldn't believe we got bold all of a sudden and courageous. Because Christians people are supposed to be like Jesus was, a lamb all the way to the slaughter. So you got to be quiet and just take it as it comes because that's our nature, is to be mild and meek. Well, sometimes you got to turn the tables over in the temple. Right? I, we, we know him as the lamb. That's what I was saying this morning. But do you know him as the lion? See, we, we, we have Easter on Good Friday, but we forget that Sunday is resurrection. And he was a whole different guy on resurrection than he was on the lamb. In the church right now, we're, we've gone through our disfiguration. Jesus' body was on the cross. He, was, he said his visage was marred in Psalms. His visage was marred. You couldn't even recognize his face. I promise you the church has gone through that. We couldn't even recognize who we are. But don't think for one minute prophetically where we are in the body of Christ is they're starting to recognize us. His body in a resurrected form is coming to the earth. It's already on the earth and it's starting to mature and it's going to be recognizable. And they're going to think whatever, who do those people think they are? Who do they think? They, I'll tell you who we think we are. We're not the mild and meek that gets excused for weak. We didn't come to fit in. We came to take over. And the longer we sit back and wait on this thing, the more sickness, disease, every other kind of confusion steps in because we learn how to live with it. Sometimes you got to knock it off balance. You got to kick the rug out from underneath it instead of it trying to kick the rug out from underneath you. What do people think? They're thinking it anyway. What if I'm misunderstood? You're misunderstood anyway. What if they talk about me? Guess what? They'll call you every name in the book, not the book that we're reading. It's the truth. Because when we start starting to filter our actions based on what exterior people look and think and what they're going to, 
we miss it. It's got to come from here. It's got to come from here. It's got to come from the centerpiece of what this thing's all about. David said, I encouraged my, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He gets up off of himself after feeling that, that time of isolation, depression, and he inquires, look, he inquires of the Lord. He goes to God and says, what do I do? Can you pull up 1 Samuel chapter 30 in King James or New King James in verse eight? This is what he says. Now keep in mind, he just beat the Philistines. He comes back to the house, it's burned. All of his family and, and his 600 men's families are now held hostage and gone. The Amalekites have taken him. Ziklag now is in ashes. David comes back weary and his men turn on him and now he hits the ground and he's going, God, what do I do? Huh. He begins to encourage himself in the Lord, realizing I gotta do something. Then he encourages himself. Then he inquires of God. I think it's verse eight, 1 Samuel 38. Where is it? Here it is. Now it happened to the Lord saying, shout, look, this is what David's inquiring of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord said, look, pursue for you shall surely overtake them. And what? Look, without fail, recover all. Yeah. It's time to get up. So David gets a word from the Lord that says, yes, go. David gets up, 600 guys says, listen, here's what we're doing. See, somehow confidence comes when you know what God tells you to do. It's when you're trying to weigh out your options and looking at your options here and there and saying, and you're analyzing the situation and you're saying, well, this will work or what about this work? You got one option. What does the Lord say to do? He says, go and overtake all. Get bold, get courage, get strength, get aggressive. Come up out of that hole that you've been living in and, and hiding in and worried about whatever. Come get a grip. Well, I don't want to, what if I run people away? What if I call? Listen, quit thinking about what everybody else might do and do what he called you to do. Everybody else is fickle. The Lord is faithful. So it's time to go forward and recover on. Here's what he does. He gets to 600 guys and says, let's go. They got our kids, our families, and our stuff. We're going. This is on the heels of fighting a big war. And here they are going right back at it again. 600 of the guys come with him about halfway. 200 of them are tired. We're, we're down. They're going, David, we can't do this, man. We've already fought that other battle. We don't have it in us. Some people won't have it in to fight with you. Don't expect your wife to go where you're trying to go. Sometimes you have to go. Sometimes the kids won't understand why you're moving to that place. Why you're transferring them into schools. Why you're selling that business. Why you're breaking off that relationship with that contract and you're moving over here. Some people aren't going to understand. But they're going, you're doing it for yourself and them. They don't know it yet. So the 200 men say, stay here. David looked at him and said, listen, I have sympathy. Stay right here. Who's going with me? 400 of them said they'll go. 200 of them said they're staying. 400 men go, here they go. After David encouraged himself in the Lord, inquired of God and got a word that says, we're gonna go and tell you, we're it all. 200 get weary, David says, stay right here. We're gonna get your kids too. David and 400 men go. They fight the battle. They take on the Amalekites. They have a strategy from the Lord. They don't only, they only get, not only do they get their families, 
their stuff back from Ziklag. They even took the Amalekite stuff that the Amalekite stuff had. They take the spoils, the booty, the Bible calls it, and they brought it all back. And here's these 200 men sitting right here. David brings all this back to sit up Ziklag, and there's 400, 200, and the 200 guys are going, man, I'm glad you did it. I was with you all along. We were interceding while you were fighting. No, they didn't say that. That's the church. We're praying for you to build that building. Give. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. I, I was there. I was there. I had a guy stop me on the street and he says, man, I have, I woke up at four o'clock in this morning to, tell, to, to pray for you that you guys could finish, get that building built. Four o'clock this morning. I said, why is that before clock two? I said, did he tell you to give anything? He said, no. He said, but I'm praying. I'm praying. Yeah. Appreciate the prayers. So I come down here and I told a contractor, I have a good friend of mine that got up at four o'clock in the morning was paying, praying to pay you today. He said, I don't give me the deposit. Oh, I'm sorry, but we just got to get real about this thing. You're living the same life. It may not be about the church building, but you're living the same life. You, you, you just don't need people here. No, they're just weak and weary. They can't do it. And it's okay. Don't put on people that can't walk with you and can't carry the load because you get mad because you think you can't carry the load by yourself. Sometimes a husband will put more on a wife because they can't see what they think they're supposed to be seeing. When God told you to do it, he didn't tell her. Don't put on her what's going to be on you. And here we go. And David's coming back. They fight. They, here's the 400 guys. They got all this stuff now. The 200 guys are here. David says, I want you to distribute everything equally. The 400 guys go, hey, David, can we see you for a minute over here? Now, keep in mind, David's already remembering. Yeah, I was over here before I encouraged myself. And Lord, you all ready to kill me. I remember that. Here's the same people that are going to kill him. David's saying, distribute it evenly. And David says, you don't understand, 400 guys, because just because they didn't have the strength to go with us, they're still with us. We don't look at them different. Just because they get weary in their faith, weary in their body, they're afflicted, they're hurt, they're, they're challenged, they're mad at me. They think I'm not doing something for them that I should be doing. I'm still fighting for them. So all that stuff that we're splitting, it's going to go to them too. The 400 guys, all right. So David comes back, gives the 200 guys all their stuff, and they get stuff too. Can you imagine getting stuff you didn't even fight for? Think about it. These guys are happy. Ziklag here is here. All of a sudden, two days into being back home, distributing all the stuff, there's a knock at the door. So David goes to the door, and it's this, this guy that was with King Saul. And he comes back, he goes, David, I just gotta tell you, he said, this is gonna be good news for you. He said, Saul and Jonathan are both dead. You're the man. After fighting the Philistines, losing everything back here, had to go right back into another battle. One battle after another battle, one another battle. David comes back, and the guy says, I, I, I was there. Saul fell on his own sword. They were ready to kill him. 
And he said, and, and, and Saul didn't die. He said, so Saul asked me, take my, your sword and finish me off. He said, so what I did, he goes, I took this crown and I took this bracelet off his hand and I'm presenting it to you because we all know about the story about Samuel pouring out oil on your head. We, we know over here. We know, remember when you were at Jesse's house, David, do you remember that story? David said, yeah, I remember that story. Remember it well. And you had to go back out with the sheep. And, and we, we, you thought it was your time to get the crown then. David, I come with a message today. The bracelet and the crown. You're the king, David. It's, this is your time. You remember, David, when you were running from Saul and he was trying to kill you with the javelin and you would dodge and you did it a couple times in a cave and then next thing you know, he's coming at you again. Yeah, all the time they were telling David all the things he was running from. And her, in David's mind was, yeah, but I remember Saul being tormented. So I played that the tormenting spirits would leave him because he was God's guy. He was God's anointed. And, and, and I remember cutting his skirt one time, and it broke my heart because I, I could have killed him several times, but he was God's guy. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to hurt him. But David, you don't understand. I got, David, you've been fighting and running for years. You've been in Ziglag, David, a year and a half, and there's ashes and smell of burned ruins and all of this, and yes, you brought it all back and your guys are happy, but I got the crown, David. David takes the crown takes the bracelet and he looks at it and in his heart I know he had to say this man I really thought there'd be another way to get the crown than have to go through the hell I've gone through in the last several years David looked over at his men the 400 that fought the battle the 200 that didn't go with him and he sees them all he sees them hurting back with their families. They're beat up. They're bruised. They're busted. He remembered them being in the cave with him. Now everything that David was promised is coming to pass. David was attaining the kingship after being fought. How many in here can relate to David? Well, that's good of you. Because David is Christ. I'm one of the 200. I'm not David. I'm one of the guys that got tired on the journey. I'm the guy that, God, I can't go another fight. My God, every time I turn around, there's a punch here and a punch there, and I'm weary and... It's out of my control. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I, I know we like to relate to David because we encourage ourselves in the Lord and David says, go and pursue all, but David is Jesus. Jesus was the one that was over here when they were all ready to stone him. David, Jesus is the one that was anointed as a child that had to live 30 years in a journey when he could have just been a limb, just got the crown and sit on the throne when he walked in and read out of the book of Isaiah and said, it's finished. Jesus is the one that goes over here and he starts getting relationships with people and all of his relationships starts falling apart. The ones that are close to him start turning on him because why? Because I gotta go 
to the cross, Jesus said. Jesus, I can't get the crown unless I go through Ziklag. Then he looks at his people in the 200 and says, and that's us. I know you don't have any fight in you. I know you're weary. And I know the world is just kind of feel like it's mounting on top of you. But you stay here. I'll go fight this fight. So Jesus takes a trip on Golgotha on a cross and he looks out looking for his 400 but all he sees is his 200. Those that can't fight anymore, can't get him off the cross, don't have the, the, the strength in the battle losing everything you got. My God, is it falling apart? Jesus stands on that cross like David did in Ziklag. And he began to encourage himself in the Lord. Can this cut pass any other way for me? No, not my will, but your will. They smacked him, beat him, they pierced him. Couldn't even recognize his face. The stripes on his back. Every time they would whip him, he would look over to that 200 and say, I know you can't do this, but I can. I'm giving you healing right now. You don't know it. But that that, that stripe on my back is for your healing. They pulled his beard and spit in his face. Put the crown of thorns on his head. Blood starts running down his brow. And he looks out and he says, that curse of poverty that you 200 have taken, I took it upon myself. So you don't have to stay in poverty any longer. He looks out and he says, 200, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for your families. You don't know how to put them back together, but I do. You don't make, know how to make him change, but I do. You can't turn their hearts, but I can. You don't, you don't know what it looks like, but I'm, I'm doing this for you. And he never said a word, but his actions it all up on himself. They killed him. They crucified him. They buried him in a grave. But three days later, he had the promise that David had. Pursue and overtake all. So when he comes up out of the grave, he had just spent three days in hell preaching to everybody all the way back to the beginning going, here's the gospel, here's the gospel, here's the gospel, here's the gospel, here's the gospel. Come up out of there. They weren't quiet. No, Jesus was quiet to the cross, but the thunder and the lightning created all the noise. David takes the crown, the bracelet, puts it upon his head and he said, the guy says, I did it for you, David. I killed Saul. It's over, man. It's yours now. David says, what? Do you know not what manner of a spirit you are? We don't call fire down from heaven. We don't cut off the ear. 
Our road to the cross is our road to the crown. So David takes his sword. He has the guy killed. He says, don't touch my anointed. Did you not scare you, buddy, that that was God's man? But I did it for you, David. David stepped back, looks all around him. He begins to replay in his head the desert, the sheep, Goliath. stone the head beheaded playing the harp dodging the javelins running fighting the Philistines fighting the Malachites clearing up Ziglag foaming at the mouth having to say things he wasn't even meaning on the run the journey and all of a sudden when he got the crown crown wasn't even for him. It was for all the other people that he took on that journey with. David didn't have the character in the desert, on the farm. He didn't have the character shooting the stone. But he had the character. When he sit over here, and he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And he got up and he said, God, I can't take anymore. And the Lord looked back at him and said, David, it's your time. This is it. Trust me in this process. Don't you get weak on me right now. I need you to go and overtake all. Because I'm setting up an example for a people in about 4,000 years that are going to see a man come on the scene that's going to be me myself. And when I come on the scene, they're going to fall away. They're going to be weary. They're going to be tired. They're going to be, but David, you're setting an example of how to get the crown. You get the crown by going through the cross. There's no way of getting the crown unless you go through Ziglag. Ziglag is necessary. The pain is necessary. The hurt is necessary. So it can build that character in you when you're ready to be handed that crown. You'll look at the crown and say, man, the crown doesn't compare to the feeling I have towards people. When you look at people and you love people, you'll appreciate ministry. But if you love ministry and you appreciate people, you've got to still go through Ziglag. If you look at your family and you're sitting here feeling sorry for yourself while they're just struggling with you, get up off yourself and say, run me to Ziglag. Ziglag is a place that turns everything around, where he turns you inside and out, where you're not dependent upon anything else but what he tells you to do. You begin to appreciate, you begin to love people, and you become passionate about what? The people that you're called to be with. The people you're called to serve. Not about a big ministry. Not about a big house in a big neighborhood. Not about a big job and a big career and how many cases you can win, how many contracts you can sign. What about those people around you? That's what Ziglag is all about. Stand to your feet. crown was handed to David in Ziglag. Your crown will be handed to you in the middle of your pain, your process, 
and your journey. That's when it's exchanged. They didn't bring, they brought David to Judah and set him up and that's when they made a public thing of it. David's crown was handed to him privately by the knocking on the door. You learn to appreciate your process and your journey when you know the crown comes in Ziglag. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I, I repent for us being passive in our journey because we've been weary at times. Your people are tired. But God, there's such a second wind that's coming back by the Holy Spirit. You can just feel it and sense it. You just know it. God, it's something that you're doing. There's just a, a roar that's rising up in the hearts and the minds of people. They're just not satisfied by, by explaining away the old. They want to see in demonstration of the new. You can't put old wine in new wineskins. And God, you've got a whole fresh wineskin that you brought into the earth. And the people's minds are prepared for it. Their hearts are ready for it. That's why they're going through stuff that they're going through. That's why there's a purging that's been going on for the last several years. That's why there's been a, a pruning. That's why there's been a, a regurgitation. That's why there's been an unsettling and a frustration. God, you're cutting off that stuff because we can't take off that stuff with us into the new place that we are going. So Father, in Jesus' name, I bless my brothers and my sisters and I prophesy over their life and I declare that this next season that we've just entered into is gonna be a season of wins, a season of success, a season of, 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 of crowning, a season of seeing light at the end of the tunnel. God, I see breakthrough, I see purpose, I see fulfillment, I see all those dreams that they once saw years ago kind of get fallen away by the wayside. I see an acceleration of time, an acceleration of gifting. I see a boldness and a courage like never before, almost like a holy indignation and righteous indignation is rising up in your people. God, I declare and prophesy over this house, this people, this family, that holy boldness and courage to say, no more. I will encourage myself into the Lord and I will go, I will pursue, and I will overtake, and I will recover all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all.